Good morning. So it was Thursday a year ago, Ben Salzman, our tech guy, reminded us that Thursday a year ago we moved everything from here over into the table to begin our live stream services as we were just beginning. You remember we were starting so we could flatten the curve before Easter 2021 not 2020. So can you believe that was a year ago? So here we are, and I'm actually seeing more and more faces coming back because you've been vaccinated. So welcome back. If you're still watching online and you've been vaccinated, come on back. A lot's changed in a year. A lot changed a year ago, but a lot has changed in a year. And so the scripture says that of first importance to our faith is this, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and was raised according to the scriptures. So my point is simply this, there is nothing more central to our faith than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So we're pretty casual about extra events at CFC, but not when it comes to Good Friday and our gathering for then Easter Sunday. That is our faith right there. And so I wanna encourage you to participate. If you're traveling, that's why we offer it again on live stream, Good Thursday and Good Friday. But we want us to remember that which our entire lives as followers of Jesus have been built upon, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And to be able to do it in person this year, Great gift. Remember, we couldn't do it a year ago. I got to talk about Easter to a camera a year ago. Only a camera. So even though you're in mask, that beats just a camera. So glad you are with us and glad if you're still watching from one home, you still joined us this morning. So we are in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, a bless fest. And before we jump in the scriptures, let me just acknowledge the blessing of God beyond what we see just in Ephesians 1. If you were here last week or watched last week, a great blessing in that God has provided a young man like Ryan Toller to teach the scriptures for us. We have such a good team that God has put together at CFC. So grateful for that. <clears throat> yeah, that's a, so we bless God for that. Uh, I bless God because he was teaching because last week on this evening uh, a week ago, we were marrying our last daughter off. And so we reached that milestone of 24 years of college done and six weddings done. So (laughs) broke but free. Is that a good place? Yeah, no, not really. Uh, It's just, it's not a freedom in the sense of, ah, we're glad they're gone. We are glad and grateful for the provision of God for uh, another young man to join our family as my daughter's husband. And we are so grateful for the, the Lord's work in that regard. And so you've been, CFC, been our family. We came here with zero kids and Lord blessed us with six and now six in-laws and eight grandkids with another one on the way. And so we feel very, very blessed outside of Ephesians 1. But none of that actually even compares to the blessing of Ephesians 1. We have summarized, no, we didn't. The scripture summarizes the blessing in Ephesians 1 in two words. In him. In him being Christ. That the greatest blessing of life is this. 
that you and I were born separated from God, deserving of the wrath of God because of our sin and dead in it. But he graciously chose us, adopted us, redeemed us, forgave us, and then informed us, sealed us as heirs in Christ. The greatest blessing in life is that we are in Christ. And we've used the word, hopefully you know it, carfish to remember those seven blessings that I just declared. Say them with me. We are chosen and adopted and redeemed and forgiven and informed and we are sealed and we are heirs. Now you may go, whoa, last week Ryan talked about heirs and this week you're talking about sealed. Why'd, why'd we go out of order? Well, because the order in the scripture actually does heirs and then sealed, but everybody knows that carfish is not a word. Now I know carfish isn't either, but it's more like a word than carfish. So we did a, well, I did a little bit of changing to make it carfish. I don't know if you even knew that until right now. But we followed the scriptures, the order. So last week, the inheritance that we have because we are in Christ. And this week, sealed. Now, a little preview. When you look at this and you hear that we're sealed, you probably have in mind what I'm going to say. It means that we are sealed. You're probably wrong. Because I was. When I started, I had this idea of what it meant when I would get the sealed, what I would do. And not true. So, what's it mean that we are sealed? It's in verses 13 and 14. We're going to answer the question, when are we sealed? Where are we sealed? What are we sealed with? How are we sealed? And why are we sealed? Those five questions, here they are. Here's what the scripture says. In him, you also... After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So the truth equals the gospel of your salvation. Having also believed. In other words, you not only heard, but you believed. What happened? You were sealed. Where? In him. With the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. So, when are we sealed? We are sealed after we hear the gospel and do what? What's the scripture say? After we hear it and we believe it. Now, this is not the point of the text, but don't miss the fact that for someone to believe, they have to they have to hear. And that just clarifies for us, church, it is not our responsibility nor role to get people to believe. But it is our privilege to allow people to hear. So, simple question. Has anybody heard from you the gospel recently. I hope so. It's a great privilege. I don't, I, I don't ask you, has anybody believed because of you? That's God's work. 
But has anybody heard? Because people can hear and not believe. But guess what? They're not going to believe unless they, unless they hear. And so uh, it's just good, always good for me to remember. I don't have to convince people. I just get to tell people. Just get to share the gospel, the truth. Invite them to hear. Invite them to Alpha to hear. Invite them to a Sunday service to hear. Invite them to watch on live stream to hear. See, it's part of the process that we get to be the body of Christ to hear. He is writing a group in Ephesus who believed. Why? Because somebody told them. So can I encourage you? At your work, there's really, there really is people that though they live in Jacksonville, Florida, and the gospel could be heard everywhere, have actually never heard. They know what they think. People you go to school with, people who live on your street, they know what they think, and generally here's what they think. Try to be good enough. And more and more, here's what they think. I think when it's all said and done, if you're sincere, God will accept you. It's not the gospel. The gospel is you and I deserve the wrath of God because of our sin, but Christ took it in our place. So that if we would believe in him, we would go from dead in our sin to alive to God. That we would go from guilty to forgiven. That's the gospel. Not be sincere. And all roads will lead to God. That's the general thought on the people that live on your street. So, you don't need to make them believe. When you try to do that, yeah. Then you're that obnoxious person on the street. Your role, simply, let them hear. So, we heard, somebody told you, somebody told me, I heard it, and then I believed it. And when I believed it, I was sealed by the Holy Spirit. Where? Having also believed, you were sealed in him, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit of promise. So, I am sealed when I believe, and I am sealed in Christ. But what is this sealing? Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge. All right, when I, when I read that word, given as a pledge, I don't know what word you think of. I pledge allegiance to the flag. Do you think that? Hey, it's a word that might create a, a number of ideas in your mind that may or may not be accurate. It's actually here where, if you look at some other English translations, they use words that will be more clear to the way you and I would normally think. The NIV says, the Holy Spirit is given, not as a pledge, but as a deposit guarantee. You ever put a deposit down? Yeah, I talked to a guy last week who put a deposit down on the new Tesla truck. 
but he was like, it's refundable. So that's not what we're talking about here. In other words, he can get that back. I'm going to put it down, but I can get the money back. This is a deposit guarantee, which is why ESV, when they translate, they remove the whole idea of just a deposit, but go, the Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee. The pledge, the sealing, is a guarantee. Now remember, every time I say sealing, you may think, sealing. Don't think sealing. Think sealing of the Holy Spirit. Like, think food wrapper, sealing. The sealing is the guarantee. Well, of what? Because if I got a guarantee, I'd like to know, what are you guaranteeing me? Given as a pledge, guarantee of our inheritance. So if you missed last week, mm, you don't know what the guarantee is of. Because last week we talked about the inheritance and the ceiling is the guarantee that you're going to get what he said you're going to get in the will. The inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So the ceiling is the guarantee that we're going to receive our inheritance and our inheritance, inheritance is the completion of did you catch it? What did the verse say? The guarantee of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. So the sealing is the guarantee we're going to receive our inheritance to complete his redemption. This is why it's last in the blessing. Because we don't really know what the ceiling is ultimately guaranteeing unless we first understand from what we've been redeemed and for what we will receive in our inheritance. And they actually go beautifully together. Let's look, going back, and this is simply from what we taught when I taught weeks ago about what our redemption is and what Ryan taught this past week about our inheritance. First, our redemption, we said, is three aspects to our redemption. That we have been first freed from guilt and parallel to that, the first of our inheritance that he taught was the righteousness of Christ. So, why are we, what are we, what's the ceiling? It's the guarantee that we have been not only freed from guilt, but we have received the righteousness of Christ. The guarantee. It's not a hope. It's a guarantee, freed from guilt, received the righteousness of Christ. Second, that our redemption, that we have been freed from futility. Remember these two? If you weren't here, Futile life. Why? Because it's pointless. A pencil without a point is pointless. That helps me dramatically. A pencil without a point is pointless. A life that is not in Christ is pointless. It's futile. It 
cannot achieve the purpose for which God gave you life without being in Christ. So when he redeemed us, he not only freed us from from our guilt, he freed us from the pointless life we had up to then. And our inheritance is that we not only are given the righteousness of Christ, we've been declared righteous, we've been given the life of Christ. So that we now have been freed from futility and given what we need to live out a life of purpose. I have come, Jesus said, to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. What's the ceiling? Not the ceiling. The ceiling? What's the ceiling? The guarantee that futility is part of your past and the life of Christ is your present. And for the future, our redemption is third, ultimately and fully, we will be freed from everything stained by sin, which is why, connected directly to that, our inheritance, that which we will receive is the heavenly home of Christ. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. That Christ has not only freed us from guilt and freed us from futility, but will one day free us from everything stained by sin. That's our redemption. It will be fulfilled in our inheritance as we receive the righteousness of Christ to cover all of our sin, the life of Christ so that we can now walk in newness of life and a home in heaven for our future where there will be no pain, no crying, no sin, no death. You see it? And you understand that the passage ends, the greatest blessing is that we are sealed, that those things about our redemption and those things about our inheritance will absolutely happen. Guaranteed. That's the sealing of the Spirit. So, that's really good. How did, how did he seal us? He took us, God, see, once you're in Christ, it's hard to get out of Christ. (laughs) Took us far from God, placed us in Christ, put some divine super glue on it, and sealed us in. Actually, That's what I thought the picture was. Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. We were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. See, my vision, my picture, because I think in pictures was, well, the Holy Spirit is the superglue that seals me in. So he sealed me. I believed, and 
he put me in and can't get out. But actually, what the scripture says here, you were sealed in, in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That how am I sealed? The sealing is by God, but the sealing is God. Some of you will capture this because you've caulked a window or a door before. And you think, oh, God's sealed. He's the caulker. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. We'll move on. We'll give you a different picture. But is God the caulker? Yes. And he is the, he's the caulk. Well, that's one picture. But it's better than that. It's done by God and it is God because it is the Holy Spirit, Spirit, the third person of the triune God in us, which is the sealing. Oh, that's different. I thought, yeah. I thought the ceiling was what the Holy Spirit did here. But actually, the ceiling is what the Holy Spirit does here. It's not only that I'm in Christ, it's that Christ is in me. The ceiling work of the Holy Spirit is that he's in me, that I always thought, oh man, the ceiling work. I'm in here. He's like super glued me in. We talk about I'm eternally secure because he, like he super glued me in. He caulked me in. No, he'll never let me go. Why? Because he is in me wherever I go. Dramatically different. He'll never let me go because, not because he's like, Locked me in the room. Guy said to me Thursday night, I, I get this, but every time you put him in there, I always go, because oh, I feel like, man, that's like the claustrophobic Christian. Now, understand what I'm saying here. If I wanted to be a good parent and didn't want my kids to be stained by the world, I could go, hmm. The way I'm going to protect them is I'm going to build them a nice room, put them in the room, close the door, lock the door, bolt the door, and brick over the door so that they'll be secure. And they'd be secure. But you know what Jesus said about his followers? Go. And as you're going, Make disciples. In other words, I don't keep you by locking you up. I keep you by going with you wherever you go. That's dramatically different. That, that, that says to me, not religion, but relationship. That, that it is the life of God in me that won't let me go. 
Not because he's super glued me in, but because he has placed himself in me that wherever I go to work, to down the street, to school, to church, into marriage, into parenting, that wherever I would go, he would go and in it he, he would keep me because he is not only the caulker, he's the cock. <laughs> he is the sealer and he is the seal. The person of God. You see the beauty of now this blessing? What's the first two blessings? Carfish, chosen and adopted by the Father. Redeemed and forgiven by the Son. Informed about the administration to come, all things summed up in Christ, of which we will be heirs, guaranteed by uh, the Spirit. The triune God actively at work in choosing, adopting, redeeming, forgiving, and sealing our inheritance that we have been informed of about the administration to come. So with that in mind of how he does it, this won't surprise you. Why does he seal us? You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise given as a pledge, a guarantee of our inheritance with a view to the completion, the redemption of God's own possession to, to the praise of his glory. The fourth time yet again in this passage, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, sealed to the praise of his glory. Chosen and adopted to the praise of his glory. Redeemed and forgiven and formed to praise of his glory. Heirs and sealed, guaranteed in it to the praise of his glory. We are sealed so that we would glory in God alone. This is why we've said this blessed fest is about what God has blessed us with and friends that we would increasingly bless God. Because we recognize that everything that we are in Christ, and this is where life is, apart from here, life is futile. It's pointless. That everything about life is realized in Christ. And I am here only because of him. Bless God. I glory in him. I glory in him because my salvation is his his doing. Right? Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Who came knocking about a relationship with God? Did you show up on his doorstep and say, hey, I've got like worst dad ever and I hear you're the best dad ever. Could you adopt me? Actually, Scripture says I was dead in my sin. And the last time I checked, regardless of what the TV show may have, dead people don't go knocking. What do dead people do? This is not a hard question. 
You're like, I don't know. What do dead people do? Nothing. Nothing. So who went knocking? Certainly not me. I was dead in my sin. If there was anybody came knocking, God came knocking to me and woke me from the dead and chose me and adopted me and made a way for, through his son Jesus to forgive me and to redeem me, to make me his own. It is his doing. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness from God and sanctification from God and redemption from God so that just it's written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. Part of helping people hear the gospel is that you boast in the Lord. It's a good, we ought to boast in the Lord. We ought to be quick to declare anything and everything good in my life is from the Lord. I, I boast in the Lord. Why? Because it's his doing. So, just want to, you know, whether you're in your south, north, watching, listen. For every one of us who are in Christ, it was because God came knocking. I can remember that even though I was 10 years old. I can remember that as clear as day of God come knocking. Can you? Maybe this morning, literally right now, you know that you aren't in Christ. That you have not been born again. You don't have an inheritance. You think at best when you die, life is over and done. Annihilation. I want you to hear that the God who made you has made a way for you to have a relationship with him for all eternity through his son's death on your behalf so that you could be raised from the dead, that you could be born again, not by your works, but by believing in him. Those are simple words, but when God speaks those words to a heart, it's him knocking, saying, I'm choosing you. If you've never believed in Jesus to be your sin bearer, to cause you to be born again, I invite you to respond to the knocking of God, the Holy Spirit in your heart right now, and say, yes, I believe. It's his doing. And that's not only his doing. When I am born again and I'm called to become like Jesus, when I grow, that's his doing. It's his doing as much as my being born again is his doing. 
when I grow, it's because God is at work in me, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. I didn't make myself a new person. God made me new. And when he made me new, old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Do you hear that? Listen very carefully. Those who are of God, those who are children of God, become new people. No one comes to God and is born again and stays the same. No one. Why? Because God makes them new. Not because they change themselves in order to, oh man, I got to get right with God. Let me clean up my life. Let me clean up my language. Let me clean up my relationship. Let me clean up my secret life. Let me clean up so I can come to God. No. (laughs) He draws me to himself. He makes me new. And when he makes me new, he changes me. He makes me a new person, a new creation, Old things gone, new things come. He who began a good work in you will perfect it. In other words, he's not only made you new, he's going to keep making you new. Old things are continuing to pass away. New things will keep coming. Why? Because you're his. We all, with unveiled face, I don't have time to unpack the the picture here, but simply understand this. The picture is prior to being born again, we had a veil between us and God. We with unveiled face. In other words, we're born again. We're new people. What's happened to us? Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being, are being, not should be being, are being transformed into the same image. What image? The glory of the Lord image. From glory to glory. In other words, step by step, relationship by relationship, part by part in my life, the glory which is represented in the holiness of God is beginning and continuing to be formed in my life from one degree of glory to another. Am I changed instantly? No. Glory to glory. Will I be changed fully? Yes. (laughs) When I'm made like him. Between now and then, as a child of God, I will be changed. This is why the scripture says so clearly, a tree will be known by its fruit. And so for a person to declare that, yeah, I trust in Jesus, but to never be changed, there should not be an expectation that you are a child of God. Not because you haven't changed yourself. (laughs) Why? As God says, if you're mine, I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you from one degree of glory uh, to another. Can you resist that? 
Yes. The scripture says you can resist the spirit, quench the spirit, and grieve the spirit. But you know what the scripture doesn't say? That you can stop it. Because God's going to do it. He promised. He guaranteed it. How? What's the ceiling? Is it super glue in? No, it's the spirit of God in you. And friends, if the spirit of God is in you, the spirit of God will change you. It is the evidence that you are born again. It's not how you are born again. It's the evidence that you are born again. And if you seek to resist or grieve the spirit of God that is in you, then he says, because I love you and because you're my child, I will discipline you till you stop grieving me and resisting me. It's the evidence that you're children. Where there is no fruit and there is no discipline, there is no reason to believe that's a child of God. That's not my judgment. That's what the scripture declares. If you're mine, I make you new and I continue to form you into the image of my son. It's his doing. And because the spirit of God is in me, no temptation is too difficult to resist. And no act of righteousness impossible to do. That's the ceiling of the Holy Spirit. See, maybe you're not catching it, or maybe I've just for so long thought inaccurately about it that I'm juiced about something that you're like, eh, okay. But I always really thought the ceiling was, well, I can't get out. It's all about, I'm in the Father's hands, and he like super glued his fingers shut around me. Oh, That's not the ceiling. The security in the ceiling is that not only am I in Christ, but he is in me, making me new and giving me everything that I need to say no to my fleshly desires and everything I need to say yes to his work in my life. When Paul writes to the believers in Galatians, he lays out this work of the Spirit in this way. He says, your sons, because your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. He didn't lock you in the room. He put himself in you. So, that if you would walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. No temptation. No temptation to drink, to lust, to be jealous, to be greedy. No temptation will overcome you. Why? Because you'll be walking in the spirit of God himself who is in you. Submitting yourself to doing what he says. And so the desire of the flesh won't come out of you. But what will? How's he going in Galatians? Here's what will come out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit of the what? Yeah, that's the fruit of a good Christian. No, that's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God poured into our hearts, sealing us, keeping us, because we're his, to no longer live according to our own fleshly desires, but to be changed from one degree of glory to another, meaning one degree of glory to another. More love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness flowing through us. Because he didn't lock us in a room and say, I'll keep you there until I take you home to heaven. He said, I'm going to pour myself into you so that wherever you go, people don't experience you, they experience me from one degree of glory to another. That's the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. And finally, I glory in God alone because the certainty of when I do go home is because of what he's done. Not me. The security, the certainty of our inheritance is not based on, did you do enough? And did you not do too much? What's it based on? It's based on what Christ has done for you. And then he, he puts himself in you. And here's the beauty of this, watch. He cannot deny himself. He can't. He cannot deny himself. So why do we say if we are his, he'll never deny us? Not because he locked us in the room. He said, no, 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 you can't touch him. Because he placed himself in us and we are one with him. And if he can't deny himself, then he can't deny his children. Because we're one. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. And changing us. And growing us. More and more. Until we're like him. Because we are with him. At home with him. It's all about. In Christ. In Christ alone. We're saved. In Christ alone. We're changed. In Christ alone. We're victorious over temptation. In Christ alone, we live out righteousness. And in Christ alone, we'll go home forever with the Lord. No fear in death. No guilt in life. Stand with me. Let's sing.